You're listening to the Birth Matters Podcast, episode 36. Yeah, Amanda's having a pretty tough time. This is when the lessons of your class came in handy for Grant yes. because he was amazing and was just the entire time, um, you know, just holding my hand and just sort of whispering these mantras, um, you know, things like, uh, I can't even I remember, remember what you said. Just, yeah. you know, just breathe, yeah. relax your jaw. You know, you can do this. this yeah, you know, yeah. It was, you know, as uncomfortable as it was at times, it was really like my memory of it is sweet because of that, because it was such a, you know, it was, it was an intense time and it, it had that, you know, bonding effect of. Oh, incredibly so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've never felt so close. Um, yeah. It's amazing. Hey there, and welcome to the Birth Matters Show. I'm your host, Lisa Graves-Taylor, founder of Birth Matters NYC Childbirth Education and Labor Support. This show is here to lessen your overwhelm on the journey into parenthood by equipping and encouraging you with current best evidence info and soulful interviews with parents and birth pros. Please keep in mind the information on this show is not intended as medical advice or to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. If you like the show, we'd be so grateful if you'd write a review wherever you're listening to this. You might just get a shout out on social media or on the podcast if you do. Hi, everyone. If you're listening around the time that this goes live, I hope you're hanging in there and staying safe and healthy at home in these unprecedented and uncertain times. When this airs, we'll be several weeks into New York's orders to stay at home and do social distancing due to COVID-19. I want to make sure you're aware that through this pandemic, Birth Matters has a page on our website with constantly updated COVID-19 resources for expectant parents. Read more details, tips, and stress management strategies over at our website at birthmattersnyc.com COVID-19. And know that we're constantly updating it anytime there are new resources that we think might be helpful for you. Also, Birth Matters has partnered with The Root Therapy NYC to provide an ongoing weekly support group for expectant parents. The Root Therapy is also offering a new parent support group as well as other group options. For more information, email contact at therootherapynyc.com. Throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, Birth Matters is offering a huge discount on our online on-demand course because it's more important than ever to get equipped for the best birth possible. Our heart goes out to the families whose hospitals have canceled birth classes across the country or who are experiencing severe financial hits right now, and we don't want cost to be a barrier. You can find the promo code and sign up over at birthmattersnyc.com. Also, our regularly scheduled live group classes that are normally in person are temporarily being held on Zoom, and we're also doing virtual private sessions. So please know that you can prep for birth and parenthood in whatever format works best for you and wherever you are. Again, you can register for any of these class formats over at birthmattersnyc.com. In today's episode, we return to our cesarean birth stories that were scheduled for last month's Cesarean Awareness Month, following our three-week detour to share birth stories taking place during the COVID-19 pandemic. Do be sure to give us a follow over on Instagram or Facebook, both at Birth Matters NYC, for some educational content on this topic that we posted last month. 
The month of May will be the last few episodes of our first season, as we'll be going on hiatus for the summer to prepare lots more great content for the fall. Today, Amanda and Grant share their firstborn's birth story. Amanda describes how she developed cholestasis during her pregnancy, which is a medical indication for induction. She'll describe the reasons that the way her labor played out led to baby needing to be born via cesarean. While this was not what Amanda had wanted after she had planned for an unmedicated birth with a midwife and doula, it was still an overall positive birth experience for her due to the compassionate care she received from everyone around her, including her partner, Grant. Get ready for all the feels when you hear both Grant and Amanda express love, admiration, and appreciation for each other throughout this momentous life experience and how this aspect helped everything feel like an overall sweet memory. Amanda will also share a bit about the early challenges she and baby faced as they started breastfeeding. So let's jump in. Welcome to the Birth Matters Podcast. Today I have Amanda and Grant with me. Welcome, you guys. Hi. Hi there. Would you let us know how long ago you gave birth and maybe what you do for a living? Yeah, so Oscar was born February 24th of uh, 2019, so it's been just over a year. I, uh, I work in science journalism. I work for Scientific American Magazine as a graphics editor, so I do um, infographics about science. And I'm an architect um, working on uh, museums and cultural buildings typically. Yeah, down the city. Great, thanks. Well, before we go into your birth story, do you mind just giving us a little bit of background on how your pregnancy went, as well as what choices did you make in terms of your care provider and just how, what were the different ways that you prepared for birth? I know you took my birth class, so that was one of the ways, <laughs> but, but you can talk about that as well as other things or whatever. Sure. Um, so... I would say my pregnancy was pretty, mostly uncomplicated. Every time I went to the doctor, it seemed like, you know, I was right on track and I really enjoyed being pregnant. I loved, you know, feeling the baby move and everything. Um, and I did a fair amount of preparation. I, I really wanted a natural birth uh, or as natural as possible. I did a lot of research um, as far as care prov providers, and I was actually kind of disappointed in the choices in New York. I would have thought that it would have been easier to find um, a midwife. I was interested in working with a midwife from the beginning. As part of my graduate study, I actually did a, a project that was centered on midwifery and um, sort of informed choice in midwifery and sort of how that model works. And so I sort of came in with a certain level of knowledge about, you know, how that works. And yeah, it took, it took a lot of research. And I, I did finally find uh, a midwife practice that sadly no longer exists. But uh, I worked with, uh, it was a midwife practice of five uh, midwives in Brooklyn Heights. And uh, they were associated with Mount Sinai. Um, and I would have preferred uh, to deliver in a birth center, but again, the, the, just the choices weren't there. And so this midwife practice that, you know, they took my insurance and they were, you know, reasonably close by, they, <laughs> they delivered at Brooklyn Hospital. And so um, that was where I ended up uh, delivering. But, and where do you guys live? 
So we live in uh, Astoria or sort of between Long Island City and Astoria, just on the kind of on the border. Mm-hmm. Um, but I work downtown. And so Brooklyn Heights was actually one stop away from my work. Um, so that was handy. What first brought midwives onto your radar and what made you want to study that and write about that? I think it started when I watched um, the documentary, The Business of Being Born. I was just really affected by that and sort of the, I guess the, the, the idea of birth as a, like not a medical emergency um, just kind of made a lot of sense to me. And I've just always been fascinated by birth. And so I felt like if I wanted an intervention-free birth, you know, a midwife seemed like a good way to go. Yeah. And so let's see, in addition to um, just finding a care provider, I did a lot of reading. I read uh, Ina May's guide. I also, once I knew that I was going to be delivering in a hospital, um, I found a book called uh, Natural Hospital Birth, um, which I found really useful. And I did a lot of um, listening to the Birth Hour podcast. Uh, I'm sure if your podcast had been around back then, I would have listened to that too. Um, I always recommend that one because there's many more stories than I've had time to post so far. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that was really fun. It, I don't know. It, I, I just remember sort of feeling really positive going into it. Like, I think listening to all those stories, even the ones that weren't necessarily all positive, just sort of made me feel like I was prepared and, um, and really looking forward to the process. And then taking your class also really helped with that. And that was, I felt like (laughs) Oscar's just uh, contributing here. I felt like taking your class together as a couple was really nice because, you know, it sort of helps Grant get up to speed on some of the stuff that I was learning. Yeah. And I hadn't, I hadn't been reading about it um, nearly as deeply as Amanda had. So yeah, definitely coming along and, and taking the crash course was, was very, very helpful. Um, yeah. And, and I feel like ended up going into it all pretty prepared to, you know, to, to be there and support Amanda through you know, what, what she was about to go through. And you guys hired a doula, right? Yeah, we did. Um, How did that come onto your radar? Um, I think, I think in all the the research that I've been doing, I just heard from so many sources that you know having a doula is so helpful mm-hmm. for so many reasons. And um, knowing that I did, you know, want to have uh, a natural birth in the hospital, it just felt like that seemed like it, it would be a really good asset. And especially, I think, because it, you know, we had never done this before. It felt like having somebody there just to advocate for us and who kind of knew the terrain was really reassuring. And so our doula was great. Uh, her name is Jay Carey, uh, J-A-E-C-A-R-E-Y. Uh, yeah, we had a really um, positive experience with her. We had two, no, we had one visit with her initially um, yeah. yeah um before and it actually the way it worked out like we thought we were scheduling it way in advance and we i think we originally planned to do to do two visits but then once she came like she came to our place you know i think 
after a certain amount of time, she was kind of like, okay, well, we can stop now or we could just keep going and then, you know, we'll just cover it all in this visit. And it ended up being um, a good thing that we did that because the following weekend was when I <laughs> ended up giving birth. Uh, yeah. So should we dive yeah. into the story? Yeah, feel free to go into, you can start wherever, wherever you'd like to start in terms of the birth story. Um, well, so I guess it makes sense to start um, when I was, I guess, early, early third trimester. Um, I had started to experience some itching. It started sort of on my belly. And that's, I know, a place that's pretty common, like to have itching when you're pregnant because your skin is stretching. And so um, I didn't think too much of it, but like I, you know, I mentioned it when I was at my midwife appointment and they, I don't think they even, you know, they were just sort of like, you can use an, an uh, over-the-counter cream for it. Uh, it wasn't like a, a cause for concern at that time. Um, but then at a later appointment when I was 36 weeks, um, it was still going on and it had popped up in other areas like um, backs of my thighs and uh, oh, on my back. Yeah. And it was sort of, it was like symmetrical. And so I was kind of like, okay, I don't think this is a, just like a dermatitis thing. Um, and, you know, I, I had in my research, I had come across um, cholestasis um, which is a liver condition. <laughs> um, it's a liver condition where your your liver doesn't process uh, bile effectively, and so you end up with bile acids in your blood, and it's associated with pregnancy. It can be um, serious. It can be harmful to the baby, um, and so typically, if you do have it, they they tend to, um, you know, try to induce you and get the baby out sort of, um, as soon as it's safe to do so. And so, um, I had, you know, I had learned about that, but, um, my symptoms weren't super consistent with, with what I was finding online. Like I kept seeing, um, you know, if you'll be itchy, but you won't have a rash and it typically affects your hands and feet. And none of that was true for me. I did have a rash and it wasn't on my hands and feet. And so um, I felt like, okay, that's, it's probably not that. But, um, but when I told my midwife, you know, I sort of have generalized itching. She was like, okay, that's a little concerning. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll test you just to be on the safe side. Um, you know, she was like, I highly doubt that you have it. <laughs> but, um, but lo and behold, when the, test came back the following week, um, I did test positive for cholestasis. And do you remember how they test for that? Um, I think they <laughs> took some blood and uh, it took a week for the, for the test to process. And so by the time uh, the results came in, it was the following Friday. Um, so I was working from home that day, thankfully. <laughs> um, so I didn't have to get this news while I was at the office, but um, my midwife called and said, um, you know, I'm, I'm very surprised <laughs> and sorry to report that um, your, your cholestasis uh, test did come back positive. And so um, 
the maternal fetal uh, medicine doctor is recommending that you come into the, to the hospital and get induced tonight. So that was like four o'clock in the afternoon. I got that call and she was like, so can you come in by six? <laughs> I was like, can I have till seven? <laughs> I was just like in my mind, like kind of crossing. Whoa. And yeah. did you say how many weeks were you at this point? 37 weeks. 37. So it was like, you know, kind of that um, borderline of like, okay, now like you're over the line to early like, term. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. And that, and, and that was a hard sort of moment to, um, to try to, to try to process that information because I had been doing all of this, um, research and preparation for this natural spontaneous birth. And then it was just like, okay, that's not happening. And I even, you know, I, I remember feeling bad about even asking this question at the time, but I was sort of like, you know, what if I, what if I wait? What if um, I don't get induced? What, what exactly are the risks? I'm, I'm a very data oriented person. And so I was like, give me the numbers. Like, what are we looking at here? And, and she said, um, you know, and she didn't judge me for asking the question or anything, but she said, um, you know, if you were carried a term, um, the risk of stillbirth goes up to like 3%. And so I was like, okay, that's, <laughs> that's not okay. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not okay with that. So I was like, all right, we're doing this. Um, yeah. So I get a call at the office, you know, thinking we were still, you know, a month out. And, uh, you know, Friday afternoon, I was sort of had two weeks left to the end of my, my deadline on the, on the project that I was working on. And uh, Amanda's like, so we're having a baby tonight. <laughs> and I was like, um, um, okay, let me go and talk to the principal of, uh, you know, on my project. And, uh, you know, so I did, and I was very sort of shaky. Um, you know, but everybody was super understanding and, you know, I think excited to the degree you can with news like this but uh yeah so we packed up my stuff and uh just came right home and uh got, got down to packing yeah like packing for the hospital yeah we hadn't made our to go our, our go bag yet <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so you know time. yep so we did all that and we called a lift i guess and yeah. um and it was, it was interesting like packing and going to the hospital like you know, maybe the packing would have happened like this, but um, we didn't imagine that the that the the Uber ride would be like going to, to summer camp. You packed a bag and off you go into this thing. You yeah. know, we were expecting there to be, you know, pretty solid labor going on at that point. Um, so that was that was not quite as as expected, but it, it was that, quite a nice. I would say that was a perk of yes. <laughs> of the unexpected injection is that I did not have to do that you know, lift ride, uh, while in active labor. Uh, so that was, yeah. And, and I feel like on the way there, um, you know, I started like my spirit started to lift a little bit and I was like, okay, this is exciting. We're going to have a baby. Um, and so we got there. Yeah. I guess around seven and they checked me in and they did a an ultrasound. I forget the, the exact order of things, but I, yeah, I think they did an ultrasound and kind of <laughs> estimated the baby's size and listened to the heartbeat and everything. And then... Showed us to our room. Showed us to our room. And yeah, um, 
I remember they, they sort of asked a bunch of questions. I remember answering a lot of questions like a bunch of times because <laughs> it was sort of like different, uh, different doctors coming in and out. But um, uh, eventually they, oh, and my midwife was not there um, for the very beginning. So she was, she was coming in the following morning. Yeah, my midwife was not there. Uh, she was going to be in the following morning. And so the, the doctor who, it, it was, I guess, an obstetrician who sort of started the process. Um, and so they started with a um, Foley balloon. Um, and so they put that in and uh, that was it. Oh, one other thing that I forgot to mention. When they first put the, the, yeah. the contraction monitor on me, she was like, are you feeling those contractions? And I was like, oh. <laughs> and so it, it turned out that I was already, you know, I guess in very, very early labor. I couldn't really, I mean, once she mentioned it, I was kind of like, oh, yeah, I guess that could maybe be a contraction. But I was not aware of it. And so I was like, oh, okay, that, you know, that is probably a good sign, you know. Yeah, so I got all strapped up and uh, put in the Foley balloon and was supposed to go to sleep and... Yeah, that was about 10 o'clock at night, I think, when they did that. And, yeah, uh, right. and Grant was, you know, sitting in the chair fold-out next chair next yeah. to me. And so we both got pretty poor sleep that night, I think. Um, which is, you know, it's rough because... <laughs> sorry, Oscar's over there shaking his head. <laughs> uh, it's rough because you know you have a big day coming and you're like, I need to get my rest, but then it's impossible. It's like, yeah, there's so much beeping and stuff too. And it's not your bed. And it, I, I was going to say with Jay, she came, I don't know, she turned up maybe eight o'clock. Is that right? She, I was about to ask, you said you had called her on the way to the hospital, right? When you were about to be going. Yeah, and No, I had called her, I think from here. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, she got the room set up really well. Good. So this that was the next day though. I oh, wasn't. Yeah, she. It was just oh, you she, and me there the, oh. the night. Yeah, I <laughs> know it's a blur, isn't it? Such a blur. Yeah, different doulas will do different things. Some of them will come like with an induction scenario. Some of them will come to help you get settled in and then go away until things are getting intense. And then others will just wait until you need them later on down the road because because we know inductions can take, you know sometimes more than a full day, <laughs> sometimes several days. The other... <laughs> Sorry. You're fine. The other um, sort of random thing uh, was that our doula had another client who was also, I think, getting induced at the same time. So she knew that that, that, that person was, I think you know, maybe had just been induced when I called her or something like that. Like the, I forget exactly how the scheduling worked out, but she, you know, there was a possibility that she was going to have to send an alternate for us, which would have been really disappointing. She ended up getting the alternate for the other person instead. So we kind of lucked out. (laughs) But interesting little side note about that too, is that, um, the reason that like it was unexpected that the scheduling worked out that way, like like normally, you know, as a dual, I'm sure you know, like you you schedule things so that you're unlikely to have two clients delivering at the same time. But I was three weeks early, and that person was like two weeks 
like over yeah. her like past her due date and i think she said that so we ended up having a, a c-section that person also ended up having a c-section and even despite the um the time difference mm -hmm. like oscar even being three weeks early was bigger than the baby huh. the other baby who is two weeks late well, he, he wasn't a big baby oscar no big no baby. he wasn't yeah. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so. Yeah, huge range of normal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, back to um, start of the induction. Yeah, so that our sleep was crap and uh, we woke up the next morning and uh, my midwife, Caroline, arrived first. Um, so that was uh, probably eight o'clock in the morning or something like that. Um, and so the bully balloon was still in at that point. And I don't think anything happened really. Yeah. And then, you know, she took it out around 10 cause they, they allow like 12 hours for it to um, stretch out the cervix and, you know, it had done its job. Uh, so that was kind of step one complete. Um, and then they started me on um, a low dose of tocin that they would sort of ramp up throughout the day. And I guess, I guess Jay arrived <laughs> um, shortly after that. And then we had just kind of a, a nice day <laughs> with um, me and Grant and Jay. Uh, I think Grant started to mention before, uh, Jay did a really nice job of kind of setting up our, uh, our room in like a nice way. So she was sort of like, draped some like red like so a red scarf or something over the, over the light so yeah. it sort of made a, a warmer lighting and um and some yeah. music she had some music yeah, yeah. um yeah, it was very it transformed transformed a pretty sterile feeling room into actually quite a comfortable mm. and and nice space which yeah. made a huge difference to to the experience of it all um, yeah, I would definitely recommend, <laughs> I, you know, either having a doula do that or, or do that as soon as you arrive if you're able to do it. Um, yeah, big difference. Yeah, and one of the things I appreciated about her too is um, she, you know, this is one of those, it's a little thing, but like I would have been nervous to do it. But like when, you know, none of the medical staff were in the room, um, there was just this loud beeping from the monitors and she would just go over and turn it off or turn it way down, you know, and um, it just kind of like made for a nicer atmosphere. Yeah. It's like, yeah. you need to be listening to that all the time. Um, yeah. So we had a, a nice time just, um, you know, I, I had to say, stay kind of like strapped to the, um, the monitors. And so I couldn't move around too much, but you know, I was to the extent that I could, I was trying to, um, <laughs> Oscar's over here pooping. <laughs> it's a little distracting. <laughs> hey, sweetie. It's okay. Good, healthy little one. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember at what point they put you on the continuous monitor? Probably when Pitocin was administered or earlier? I was on that right from, right from the start of the... From the beginning. Okay. Um, yeah, and actually... <laughs> so when like before the my midwife got there when i was under the care of the physician um 
that whole night, one of the reasons I couldn't sleep very well is that I couldn't get up to go to the bathroom. <laughs> they had me like being in a bedpan <laughs> because they wouldn't like disconnect me from anything to do that. Oh man, usually they'll at least let you off of that to go pee. Yeah. That stinks. Yeah. So, oh. uh, but when the midwife got there, it was kind of like, okay, now it's your, it's her rules. Oh, good. That, yeah. She, yay, yay, midwife. <laughs> so, um, that just goes to show how different it is from one care provider to the next, as well as from one nurse to the next. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they had me strapped to that stuff from the beginning. Uh, so when I was just in early labor, um, I brought my, uh, my exercise ball with me, and so... You know, I spent some time kind of sitting on that and like moving around and um, doing like some squats and things like that. Um, but the whole like all of early labor for me was like really not painful at all. Um, yeah, when was, they were asking you. Yeah, yeah the, the medical like the nurses um, kept coming in and saying, you know okay, how much pain are you in? Like rate your pain on a scale of one to 10. And I kept saying it's zero. I'm not in pain. Like I could feel contractions, but it was not painful. Um, and you know, I, it was interesting because I sort of, you know, I read, um, anime's guide and like, you know, I sort of chuckled at like the, the use of the term like wave or like, you know, so the sort of like euphemisms, um, and, you know, saying like intense instead of painful. And I was like, no, I'm pretty sure it's going to be painful. Like, I'm okay with that. I'm ready for it. But like, you know, uh, let's just call it what it is, you know. Sure. Yeah. That's yeah. Different people prefer different things. Yeah. Sure. Um, but for me personally, I was like, no, if it hurts, I'm going to say it hurts. Um, but it really didn't. <laughs> it was, you know, it, it really just was like a sensation, um, mm -hmm. That I was experiencing, but it was not like unpleasant. Yeah. What else? Um, I guess yeah, I guess it just kind of ramped up during the day, and I mean, I didn't really start getting like feel like anything was really changing that much until kind of later that evening. So you know, kind of all day we were able to hang out and yeah, you know, just chit chat. And again, it felt a little bit like summer camp. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, it was nice. Yeah. So, I mean, at some point they had kind of maxed out, um, the Pitocin and, um, and my midwife was, you know, sort of checking me every so often. Um, I think I was maybe four or five centimeters by the time they had maxed out the Pitocin. And so, and still not in active labor. And so um, kind of the next step, she was like, okay, we're, we'll break your water, um, which felt really invasive to me. And I was kind of like, really? Can we give it a little more time? So we, we did end up, and you know, um, that was another time when Jay was really helpful because um, she was, you know, she just sort of encouraged me to like, if I wasn't comfortable, like, just say, you know, why don't we wait another you know, hour or so? So I think we did end up waiting about another hour um, and just seeing, you know, if anything changed. And 
it didn't. And, you know, it, it, it got to a point where I was like, all right, we need, we need things to progress a little bit. Um, and so, uh, so my midwife did uh, break my water. And how, do you remember how long this was after, like from the beginning of the induction? So it was, um, it must've been late afternoon or early evening. I felt like it was early evening. Yeah. Because so, I'd, I'd gone out to get food. Right. Is we that, were, so that, is that almost a day later? Cause you, yeah. when did you check in yeah, the, so, so the evening before? They, they started the induction at like 10 PM the, the previous night. And so now it was, yeah, probably five or six yeah. in the evening. Um, yeah. So she broke my water and that pretty quickly, um, <coughs> made active labor kind of kick into gear. I can change it. Okay. Thanks. And so that, so yeah, I could definitely tell, you know, the, that like something had shifted and it was no longer just, you know, I couldn't just carry on a conversation. Um, I sort of had to breathe through contractions. I, I remember that I was kind of kneeling at the foot of the hospital bed. Um, I had brought my yoga mat, so I had my yoga mat under my knees. And, um, and I had brought like a little thing of um, lavender scented oil. And so we put like, I think Jay had brought like a little cloth. So we put some on a cloth. Um, and I could sort of breathe that nice scent, you know, it's sort of a calming scent. Um, and then, uh, Jay and Grant were both sort of like applying pressure to my back, which felt nice. Um, or even just touching my back. Um, so that was kind of, uh, I guess, I guess things were starting to get, a little painful at that point, but it was still sort of not super unpleasant. Um, it was just sort of like, okay, you know, it, it felt good that like things were progressing. Um, but a little ways into that, the, the baby's heart um, started to slow down um, with each contraction. And so that's when sort of things started getting complicated. Um, so, I guess the, um, my midwife had me get up on the bed and, um, on my side because that, uh, they felt like that was a position where, you know, the baby might do a bit better. And so there was a while where I was just sort of on the bed, you know, switching from one side to the other to see, you know, what would work. Um, and that, that's when things started getting really, just uncomfortable because that wasn't how <laughs> I wanted to labor. And so um, that was when kind of things shifted for me from like, just take, just sort of looking after myself and dealing with my own, you know, sensations to, um, okay, now it's about the baby and, you know, the, like everything that I was doing was sort of for him. Uh, so it was kind of an interesting like transition into motherhood. <laughs> you know, just during labor, um, that kind of shift. Um, and actually Grant might remember a few things that I don't hear. So I might wait until he gets back. 
I'm just trying to make sure I don't leave anything out here. Oh yeah. Um, and you were you're up to sing to when I uh, yeah his heart was slowing down. I was oh in yeah. Bed. Um, yeah, and so that went on for a while, and then um, there was a a doctor that they called in the the, the resident, resident the resident yeah. um, who kind of. Uh, introduced the idea that, you know, if, <laughs> if, um, if the baby's heart didn't start, like, you know, he sort of explained that um, it's normal for, for the heart to slow down at the beginning, beginning of a contraction, mm-hmm. but normally it, it comes back up um, by the end. But in his, in Oscar's case, it was it was staying slow for longer yeah. than they were comfortable with, mm-hmm. and so that kept happening. Oh, sweetie. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if that kept happening, then um, you know they then he said they might have to do a C-section. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he sort of brought that that word into the room, which was like you know probably good that that it gave us a chance to start processing what that meant, but it, yeah. mm-hmm. Chekhov's gun, you know, it's like <laughs> you say it at the beginning of the play and it's going to get used by the end of the play. So, so, you know, we did start thinking about what that would mean if it, if it hadn't headed in that direction. Um, yeah. But that was hard to hear. That was um, kind of the, the more difficult parts of the process was just, um, getting used to that idea um, and also Dealing being an active it. labor and you know, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. It got super intense. Yeah. Like I, I feel like, and I don't know whether it's because the Pitocin had sort of kickstarted the, the process that sort of went further along than you might, that they might've mm-hmm. expected. Like they gave you something to, to reduce the, um, the contractions which wasn't that was that yeah that was like right before I ended up going in for the C-section. Yeah. Um, let's see, before that they oh they did the infusion they did the amniotic <laughs> infusion. So you know so after the doctor kind of introduced that idea, um, you know I kind of was upset for a minute and um, and kind of worked through that and then I had to just you know keep. Um, keep laboring and and keep you know trying different things. And so one so the I think it was it was the it was the resident who suggested that maybe there yeah. could be a like a, a kink in the in the um, in the umbilical cord or that the baby was sort of lying on it in a way that was um, you know restricting the blood, which could have had to do with the decelerations. Um, so then they they suggested doing the amniotic. amniotic uh, infusion to sort of float the baby up and and hopefully keep any obstruction uh, um, from you know in the cord um, you know so that that was kind of the next the next step the next uh, you know pretty invasive um, yeah it, it 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 was pretty it was pretty tough for me to watch a lot of the stuff that was happening because it, you know there wasn't a lot of choice there was you know there was obviously consent but there was there was not a lot of 
what felt like choice in the matter. Um, you know, and that, that's, I think when Jay the doula was, was great, she, you know, we could sort of look to her and she's like, yeah, this, this is something that could wait or this is something which probably ought to happen now. And, you know, having somebody who had been through it any number of times to, to just as, you know, just as a, as a backup head check on, you know, on, on what, what was going to happen. Yeah, that's a good way of describing it. Yeah. Um, yeah, because in many situations there are alternatives, there are options, but in others there's not as many or, or maybe none. Right. You know, yeah. and the, the white coat carries a lot of authority. Sure. So, mm-hmm. so that, that was, was super helpful, yeah. Yeah. So they, um, I think it was, oh, right. Okay, so, so it was the doctor who's, who suggested the amniotic infusion, and we were sort of trying to weigh our options. And um, uh, my midwife had mentioned that the obstetrician on call that night was her favorite doctor at this hospital somebody that she really trusted the head of the department i think yeah yeah so we said okay why don't we call that person in and see what she thinks and um so that was dr carr (laughs) carr carr um and she was wonderful um she ended up performing the c-section um but she just explained that you know, um, this was kind of our last hope of having a vaginal birth, um, was this, if, if the amniotic infusion worked and just in case people don't know, it's, um, that's basically when they pump uh, fluid back into the uterus. And when they were doing like scalp stem, they were, they were trying a lot of stuff that was like, again, pretty, pretty Yeah, invasive. she was trying to do scalp, uh, my midwife was trying to do scalp, uh, stimulation on the baby at one point, um, which was quite painful. Uh, for me, <laughs> you know, they were really kind of wearing out their options and um, mm-hmm. in a way that was unpleasant. But I also, you know, I understood that it was, you know, that it was all to try to help me have the birth that I wanted. Um, yeah, it felt like at some point there, there was a long while where they had you on your side to, because that was the best for getting oxygen to the baby. Yeah, it was super, super uncomfortable and, a, and a, not a good way to labor. And, and, you know, Amanda's having a pretty tough time. And we should say this is when, um, you know, uh, sort of the lessons of your class came in handy for Grant yes. because he was amazing and was just the entire time, um, you know, just holding my hand and just sort of whispering these mantras um you know things like uh i can't remember remember. what you said just you know breathe relax your jaw um you know you can do this yeah 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 um just really really it was you know as uncomfortable as it was at times it was really like my memory of it is sweet because of that Mm. Uh, because it was such a yeah it was an intense time and it, it had that you know, bonding effect of, um, Oh, incredibly so. yeah. Good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've never felt so close. Um, yeah. It was amazing. As hard as it was to watch. Yeah. It's beautiful. And I love to hear it when partners are so present and so supportive because that's what we need, especially when things don't go according to plan even more so. Yeah. Oh. So, um, 
Yeah, so once they did the amniotic infusion and that didn't really have any effect. Um, oh, and actually right before they did the amniotic infusion, um, Jay was, um, you know, trying to figure out just if there was anything that that could be done to like make me more comfortable. And she was like, you know, we could ask for an epidural before they do that. Um, and at that point I was sort of like, yeah, I could, I could do an epidural. <laughs> um, and, but it turned out that there wasn't time for that. So they ended up just doing the, the infusion. And then, um, I think after that, they, they gave me a drug to slow down the contractions because at that point the heart decelerations were, you know, getting to a Pretty, point that was really kind of worrisome. For me, that was like probably the hardest part. Like Amanda had her back to all of the doctors and they were standing around watching the, watching the tape with the, um, you know, all of the, the monitoring on it. And I could see them and, and their faces. And it was like, it's like fans watching a football game where your team is down five points. It's like... <laughs> A minute to go, and it's can you know, can they can they make it? Everyone's sort of biting their nails, and I was like, "No way am I telegraphing this to Amanda." But I was like starting to get pretty worried. Um, yeah. So when they said time to go, I was like, "All right, yeah. time to go." <laughs> yeah. So it 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 was um you know I signed a consent form, but it was pretty much like, okay, we're doing a C-section. This is what's mm. happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and by that point, I think, you know, I was sort of resigned to it. I mean, once they started slowing down my contractions, I was kind of like, okay, so I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not having the birth that I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, once I had signed that form, it was just everything kicked into high gear and it was like, everything happened so quickly that I think that was when, um, just... I don't know the the just the coordination of everyone. That was amazing. Um, just yeah, I don't it's know. It's like it's like everyone went on to autopilot. Mm-hmm. And everybody had a thousand things to do, and everybody did it perfectly coordinated. Mm-hmm. I've, I've never seen such a well-oiled machine. Yeah, I was very impressed. It's <clears throat> incredible. Mm-hmm. So they, you know, wheeled me into the OR and where Grant was left to <laughs> sort of stand and wring his hands for a few minutes. Yeah, it's pretty scary. Um, but they, what did they do? They shaved me, they catheterized me, uh, they administered an epidural like so quickly, it was amazing. <laughs> the anesthesiologist was super impressive. Mm. And, it, you know, I guess it was, I guess it's different from the normal epidural uh, in that it just takes effect immediately. I, I think I've heard that normally it takes like 20 minutes or something like that, but this was like instantaneous. Um, yeah, I was worried that, that I was going to be let in there and you were going to be like completely out. Like yeah, under and I general anesthetic and she didn't know. What I was, didn't know whether I was going to be yeah. knocked out or not. You know, I think it was, I think it was sort of a question like whether they would be able to do the epidural you know, successfully, um, quickly enough. And thankfully they did. Um, yeah. And then, you know, by the time they got me all prepped, then you came in all yeah, suited they, up. They had me sit outside and sort of wait until 
I, I don't know, until maybe they felt comfortable that it was going to go okay. Because last thing they need is for me to be in there seeing something not going okay. And you know, I don't want to be in their way, obviously. Um, so this took me off and got me dressed up in one of those blue suits and a hat and a mask and the booties and, you know, the whole, the whole deal and, and brought me in. Um, they said, don't look down that end. Can you sit? <laughs> like, I was like, I don't need to see that either. Um, yeah. So I was able to sit with Amanda and she was, she was with it and, and, you know, yeah, yeah we, we were able to be there together. Um, you know, you know, really present with each other. Um, you know, while this while this happened, it was not two minutes after I got there that they really they lifted him up. Yeah, over, mm. over the curtain. Yeah, the birth the baby can be born quite quickly. It's the all the repair work that takes longer, right? Yeah. And Amanda, were you with your epidural? Were you like numb? all the way to your toes or was it just the regional or do you remember all the way to my toes? Yeah. 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 Cause I think that's a faster mm-hmm. form than our whole walking epidural that t- That's why there's a difference in the time I believe yeah. is um, yeah. The walking epidural is a m- more meticulous kind of thing that takes a little longer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so they lifted him out and he had this crazy cone head. <laughs> I was pointing and laughing, saying it looks like a cucumber. (laughs) (laughs) Cried and it was a little little bit blue and and yeah, I think it's kind of purplish. Yeah, yeah, most babies are to some extent. Yeah, yeah, they took him over the little table and and, you know they could see them with the oxygen and they pinked up immediately and I was like, okay, I think we're okay Mm -hmm. here. Um, Did you guys know you were having a boy? We did. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, and then. Yeah, they kind of whipped him off to the, they, the NICU. They whipped him off. Quickly. Well, they gave him to you, yeah. and and you brought him over, and I gave him a little kiss on the head, and then they, um, he had some fluid in his lungs, and so he had some help breathing, and so they they whisked him off to the NICU, um, and then they, you know, sewed me up and everything, and and the aftermath of the C-section was kind of. I guess more eventful than I would have expected. I remember feeling really like sick to my stomach at one point. That's right. Uh, but that passed pretty quickly. So I don't know if that was just a, a reaction to the, um, the anesthesia or what. Yeah, I think um, that's common. Yeah. yeah, likely a side effect of the drugs. Yeah. And then um, I remember just feeling like my heart pounding in my chest in a way that was like, is this okay? This is weird. Mm. Um, and then, and then I got super shaky. Very um, shaky and very pale. I've, yeah. I've never seen her look so pale, like just oh. ashen. Mm. And just, just run through the ringer. It was, yeah. you know, your body's just done a couple of things. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. So I remember shaking a lot, but I didn't feel cold, but they kept putting warm blankets on me and eventually yeah. that went away. And then I was just so tired. Ah. Ah. <laughs> hi, hi. <laughs> Too. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to tell my birth story. <laughs> so I was just exhausted, and um, yeah, we had to sort of hang out for a few hours, and then I was able to go to the NICU and and see him. And I brought a little photo of him back, and it was it was tough to see. He was 
very small, so very, you know, still a little bit kind of purple. He had like a, like the CPAP sort of machine kind of on mm. feeding tube. And there were, all, you know, all number of cables and cords and whatnot. And it was, I don't know, it was, it was pretty tough to see, but it, you know, it was still. It's still our baby. It's still our baby. And yeah. um, we completely overcome with just love for this little creature. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So, uh, and then Jay left. She kind of, she kind of came and checked on us. Yeah. Um, once I was out of the operating room and, uh, and she had brought all of our stuff that we had had in the room. Oh yeah. Cause um, they cleaned the room out like, like right away. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to have her, you know, sort of take care of all that. And, um, and she hung out and, uh, talked with grant for a while i i rested and then uh and then she left and then we just left yeah yeah they brought us into the you know the postpartum room um we ended up having uh a room to ourselves the whole time which was nice yeah it was good oh nice it's especially nice in a c-section i'm sorry i think i cut you off what were you saying Oh, that's okay. Um, we didn't pay extra for, you know, a private room or anything. It just Yay. Yeah, it's an expensive hotel room otherwise. Oh, yeah. Yeah, usually a minimum of like 600 a night. Oh, in- I think it might have been more than that. It more. Was yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and we were, we were pretty lucky because, you know, she had the C-section, so we were there for a bit longer. Um, and then there's like some procedure you can do where you I forget exactly how it works but you ask to stay another night and then it triggers another 24 hours before you actually have to leave so that's worth looking into I, I forget exactly how it works and I think the mm. hospital was the ones who it was told the hospital. us about that yeah nice so I think it's kind of a workaround for the insurance companies mm. But, mm-hmm. but it gave us like an extra day there because you know you were still pretty or mobile. Yeah. It would have been tough to, to get her home before we did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we, I think we got, the timing actually worked out really well for us oh, because right. I gave birth at 12.53 on Sunday. Yeah. I guess it was 12.53, like, you know, Sunday morning. Right. And so our first day kind of started then. So if it had um, been 1158, yeah. the first day would have been that first two minutes. Three days, um, I think was the yeah. standard for post C-section. Mm-hmm. And then we got that extra day, um, which was nice. I mean, mainly because Oscar was in the NICU for, exactly. I guess, six days or five and a half days. So it was hard to, you know, it would have been hard to like, navigate that you know going back and forth from home but as long as in the hospital it was you know a bit easier to bring Bring up colostrum and then milk and Mm -hmm. um and just you know be able to see him and yeah because it's an hour across town from here by the time you get there and park and get over it's easy easily an hour Mm -hmm. so you you still had to do that for a couple of days right is that or like one day, I guess. Yeah. Okay. We rented a car for that time anyway. Actually, to come home from the hospital, we rented a car for mm-hmm. a series of days, uh, which was probably the smartest thing that we mm-hmm. did. Yeah. Mm, good idea. 
Yeah, there's no way I was going to put her on a subway. (laughs) Right, no, definitely not. (laughs) Definitely not. It seemed, you know, tough. And by the time you pay for an Uber across that bar, you might as well rent a car. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, it's true. So were you having to pump right away? Yes. Uh, Oh. Yep. (laughs) On top of having just had abdominal surgery. Awesome. (laughs) Oh. Yeah, so that, that, you know, those few days in the hospital were kind of a blur. Mm-hmm. Did you rent like a hospital grade pump or what pump kind of were you using your uh, own? They, they provided a pump. Um, I actually had my own at that point, but it was at home. Um, but they just had, uh, had like a Medela one that I, that I used. Kind of, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they had, um, they had pumps up in the NICU as well. So I had my one in my room and, you know, could use the ones up there. Um, yeah, so I just remember being very, very tired <laughs> the whole time and pumping and, you know, um, I was able to, like, I, at no point did they have to, like, wheel me in a wheelchair up to see him or anything. Like, by the time, uh, you know, I could go up to see him, um, I was able to, you know, stand and walk very slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, do you mind if my asking, were there pain medications you used? And if so, uh, what kind of, what, what kinds of side effects did you experience? Yeah. So they had me on Percocet and I actually, this is, I guess one of like overall in this hospital, I, I would say we had a, a positive experience and in all the ways that, you know, in, in sort of the most important aspects of of the experience, they did a fantastic job. Um, I was really happy with the care that we got, but I will say one of the things that sort of looking back on it, I'm like, that could have gone better is they didn't really communicate the side effects to me. So I kind of found out later that probably, you know, in addition to everything else that I had been through, which obviously was making me tired, the Percocet was also making me tired. So I just remember like struggling to stay awake while pumping. (laughs) Um, and the other side effect was constipation, uh, which was something I had struggled with, you know, throughout much of my pregnancy. So it was kind of like, really <laughs> more of this. Yeah. Not, not helpful to aggravate that. Cause it is so common for us in pregnancy and after birth. Yeah. Oh, wow. It would have been nice to have been told. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And maybe to have alternatives or options. Yeah. So once they, once I left the hospital, I guess, you know, they, they did give me a prescription for more Percocet that was sort of a different ratio of, um, what is it? Hydrocodone or oxycodone? I think it's oxycodone and, and uh, Tylenol. So it was sort of a higher ratio of Tylenol. But I ended up not really taking it once I left the hospital because I had, you know, by that time, it, you know, I think I looked at the side effects on the bottle and I was like, oh, that explains a lot. <laughs> Maybe I just won't take this because it, you know, not as if it was making the pain go away by any means. Mm-hmm. And did you have a lot of, um, if you also, if you don't mind my asking, did you have a lot of gas after the surgery? A lot of people do. So I was just curious. I don't, I don't think so. I don't really remember. I probably did, but I don't, just like swollen, I, I just remember a lot belly. of, a lot of swelling. Yeah. Like my mm-hmm. ankles were very, very swollen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it took a while for that to go away. 
Did you find that putting pressure on the on the incision as it was healing whenever you like coughed or sneezed, did you need to, to pl- apply pressure? That was another thing that I learned later <laughs> that you're supposed to do that it, they did not tell me at the hospital. Um, so yeah, I was, I guess, you know, whenever I had to like sneeze or cough or anything like that, I was having a lot of pain. So that was, that was rough. Yeah. yeah for the, mm-hmm. the first little while. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that, I guess that, you know, that time in the hospital, um, was just, you know, we were, it was, it was hard because we, you know, we wanted to just be with our baby and he had to be, you know, sort of on this breathing machine. Although they, you know, they, over the a few days, they kind of, um, turned down the oxygen level on the machine and kind of let him breathe on his own a little Mm -hmm. more. Um, and eventually he got the, you know, the CPAP thing off, which was lovely. See his face. Um, and then he was just on antibiotics for a while. So, um, yeah, yeah, they're worried about having like meconium in his lungs. Oh, that's why. Okay. So they, they kept him on it. Got it. I was going to ask why, why antibiotics, but that explains it. Okay. Yeah. So, Oh, and, and another hard part of <laughs> that stage was um, trying to initiate breastfeeding. You know, I had obviously never done it before. He'd never done it before. And, uh, you know, he's got all these tubes, yeah. you know, attached to him. Um, yeah, the setup just wasn't ideal. Um, and so we did have a hard time with that. At the beginning, I, you know, he would sort of latch but didn't suck at all and so I was just pumping and then yeah it wasn't until we really got home from the hospital that that we started in earnest trying to nurse and sometimes when babies are born that early they do have not the best sucking skills so that might have been a factor playing into that scorny little thing and um, somebody said that you know he's using as much energy as he's getting in milk Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Terrorizing the house. Yeah, they have to work hard to get the milk out of the breast. <laughs> it's good for them, but they do have to work hard. I should mention uh, that my so the midwife that was there for the birth, she I remember she came into my room the kind of the next morning after yeah. he was born and um was just really great. Like, you know, she had been there the whole time. She had been taking photos um, Mm -hmm. during the birth, which was great. And, you know, we sort of cherish those because, you know, and neither one of us obviously was in a position to, to be documenting that. So it was really, really sweet that we have those photos and, but she just came in and, you know, said all the right things, uh, which were basically, you know, I understand that this was, not the birth that you wanted, um, but don't, you know, people sort of say that, you know, healthy baby is all that matters, but that's not true. You know, it, it matters um, also how, how you're feeling and, and, um, and that things didn't go the way you wanted and, and it's okay to sort of grieve that and, you know, take time for yourself to, to feel all those emotions. And, um, and so that was really great to hear. And, um, and to, and to actually hear her say, you know, I'm sorry that it didn't yeah. go the way you wanted. Mm. Um, not, not, 
as in, you know, she's taking responsibility, but just saying, saying, you know, it's something to sort of be sorry about. <laughs> um, yeah. And too few people hear those words because so like more often than not, people are told, well, you have a healthy baby, healthy mom. What are you complaining about? And like, that's, that's not helpful because <laughs> there's so much more to us than our physical health. You yeah. Said, so I'm so glad she said that. You spent six months constructing, you know, in your mind how you want it to happen and spending so much time trying to ensure that that happens with planning and, you know, just the ideation of it all and the, the, the visualization of how it's going to go so that you can do this. And, and when it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen in a kind of a, a pretty rapid cascade so you don't get a chance to process that as it's happening so much in a way you know so that at the end you're kind of a bit shell-shocked and a bit you know your head is spinning a little bit and uh yeah so so i was i was super impressed that she came in and and you know and just just talked about that with us yeah and then there was um <laughs> Uh, another of the midwives um, that I had seen maybe once or twice, I guess she was on call uh, later in the week. And so she came in to kind of check up on me and, um, and she was really great too. At that time, you know, I was just really struggling with not being able to spend time with Oscar, you know, like I wanted to and not just have him there. And um and, you know, I was bummed about not being able to initiate breastfeeding. And she just um, kind of reassured me that, you know, people put so much weight on kind of the first moments in the first, you know, days after birth. And, you know, that is not fair. <laughs> you know, it, it, it really isn't everything the way that that some people sort of portray it to be. And she was just, she just said, you know, you guys are gonna, you know, once this week is up and you take them home from the hospital, you guys are gonna take off all your clothes and you're gonna get into bed and just snuggle and it's gonna be amazing. <laughs> and oh, I love that. A lot better. Hmm. Um, because, you know, I, I, I did have this idealized sort of notion of the time right after birth and I felt like, you know, in addition to the birth not going the way I wanted, you know, this time wasn't going the way I wanted. And, and so just to hear that was really nice. Um, and, you know, then we got through that week and it felt long at the time, but, yeah. um, but now it's just sort of, yeah, <laughs> we look back on it and it's like, yeah, that was hard, but, um, but now we have this amazing child. The best baby in the world. Yeah. Um, Did yeah. you feel like you guys had, were there specific ways that you both have processed through the birth? Like, have, have you guys talked about it at greater length or, or did you process some of that with your doula in addition to midwives? Any, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I guess we sort of talked about it. We didn't make a concerted effort to, to do it, but, you know, just in the, in the course of you know, parenting him and, and reflecting on, on, you know, how it all went. And telling the story, yeah. I think, to our friends and family, yeah. too, that was kind of, um, that helped us process things. Mm -hmm. um, we did have a, a visit with Jay, our doula, um, I guess, 
can't remember exactly how long after we got home, maybe a week or so. That's right. um, she came over and, and uh, we had maybe an hour visit. Um, and so, you know, we talked, we talked, you know, through it with her to the extent that we felt like doing that. And, um, and, sh- and she kind of reflected that, um, uh, kind of saying the same thing that I was saying earlier about, um, uh, just the, the strengthening bond between us as, as a couple. Um, and she just said, you know, uh, watching that, that it, it's, it was sort of a joy for her to, to watch that process uh, with the two of us and, and she could just feel the love between us. And so that was really sweet to hear. Um, and I did actually um, go to a, a uh, cesarean healing event. Um, that must have, I forget exactly when that was, uh, maybe a month on or something like that. Uh, and, and that was nice to just, you know, talk with other people that had had, um, C-sections that, you know, that they maybe had a bit of trauma associated with. Um, do you remember who that was with? Was it Mary Esther? Yes, it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great. I'm glad you heard about that. About your breastfeeding and, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So I, mentioned before, you know, we had a hard time initiating breastfeeding. Um, and we were kind of on our own, like there was, there wasn't a lactation consultant there at the hospital to work with us. So we just had kind of the ladies in the NICU who were just like, I don't know, not particularly helpful. I mean, that's not really their job, I guess. Um, but so we, we hired a lactation consultant pretty quickly. Um, once we got home, and so she came to our house and, um, I think at that point, you know, I had managed to get him to latch and suck, but he was just so sleepy <laughs> and just, so sleepy. he would always just fall asleep as soon as he got on the breast. And, you know, he didn't, he didn't have like a strong suck even when he was sucking. So, um, and, so the lactation consultant um you know sort of witnessed a a feeding session and weighed him before and after um on her special scale and found that you know he was only getting about half of what he should have been getting and so she recommended that i pump more and feed him from a bottle um and to the extent that we needed um supplement um, and so we, you know, and I think at that point we had already been doing a little bit of supplementing with formula. So that ended up being what we did, um, for breastfeeding and eventually he got much better at it. Um, I'm actually still breastfeeding him now. You know, it's more for comfort than nutrition at this point, but it's really nice. And I'm, you know, I, I did have a hard time with it early on, but I'm, I'm really glad that I stuck with it. Um, at some point I did end up seeing another lactation consultant because, um, I just wanted to see whether there was an actual medical issue that was, um, because even with all the pumping that I was doing, you know, I was pumping about six or seven times a day and my supply was not increasing. 
um, substantially. And so I just wanted to see if there was um, a medical reason and if there was something that, sh that could be prescribed um, for that. And so I saw a lactation consultant who was also a, a nurse practitioner. And so she, you know, she would have been able to prescribe something if, um, if that was necessary. Um, but she tested my prolactin levels and they were normal. And, uh, so, you know, she just said, um, oh, she's, she, um, recommended some supplements. So I'm, and I'm still taking those. I'm not sure how much they're doing at this point, but, um, like fenugreek, was that uh, one of them? I am taking fenugreek. That actually what, so the ones that she prescribed are, um, shatavari root. Uh, mm -hmm. I think that's the main ingredient. And then there's a lot of other herbs. There's like um, milk thistle and um, mm -hmm. other stuff in there. Um, so I'm taking the, those and also fenugreek. Um, and it did definitely make a difference. Um, but I'm not pumping, you know, I'm not really pumping anymore at this point. And so my supply is decreasing again. But, you know, it's not as big of a deal because I'm not trying to um, do anything close to <laughs> exclusive breastfeeding now. Yeah. Yeah. He's getting most of his nutrition from the solids, right? At this point. Yeah. So, oh, and the other issue I had was that for some reason I kept getting clogged milk ducts, which was, could get really, really painful. Mm. Uh, and so they, to this day, I'm not sure why I had that issue. Hmm. Um, like every day for, for, I forget how long, like weeks. Yeah. Um, it felt like I was getting one every day or every other day. Um, and I tried, uh, oh, what do you call it? Um, soy lecithin. Um, I'm not sure that that did anything, but eventually it just went away. I think around the same time that, that Oscar got better at nursing, um, that problem went away. So it might've just been that, um, you know, that, that sucking it, through hard enough. Yeah. Although mm -hmm. they should have taken right. care of that. I don't know. Um, you had that little device thing. That you got. Yeah, I, got, I ended up in a moment of desperation. I ended up ordering this little uh, thing that it's like a little vibrating thing that you're supposed to like, you know, sort of um, kind of vibrate it out the yeah. the plug duct. Yeah, move the the, the clog along. Um, again, I don't know whether that <laughs> did much of out. anything. Did you ever do the breastfeeding like on all fours, like, you know, where your breast is hanging down? <laughs> I did not try that. This is one of the most popular remedies. So I've heard from students <laughs> for un unclogging the ducts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've never heard that one. Sounds really hard to me. Yeah. I never had to try it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, so breastfeeding was challenging, um, but ultimately rewarding. Um, and yeah, I think that, uh, the second lactation consultant that I saw, um, you know, I remember I was sort of stressing out over just the amount of, of formula that Oscar was getting and just like, you know, what should I do? Should I be pumping more? And, you know, she's looking at my th little questionnaire I'd filled out. She's like, you're pumping six or seven times a day. Like, oh what? my goodness, that's a lot. You need to get out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she just kind of like took that pressure off, which was really helpful. Mm. Um, and yeah, we've been fine ever since. Yeah. Nice. Well, he eats what he eats. He, he gets 
breast milk gets formula now he's eating you know all the fruits and vegetables that we you know, make for him and nice. he's thriving yeah uh, wonderful yeah he um so he was born at six pounds 10 ounces i think uh which is you know a decent size for 37 weeks um Drop and he dropped and yeah he dropped down to almost like six even you know sort of in the first few days week or so and then um by two months he would he had doubled in size he was 12 pounds wow he can be a giant he's in like 99th percentile for height (laughs) (laughs) well this has been wonderful are there any other things that you haven't gotten to share that you wanted to share and or any insights for people who are expecting babies uh, or reflections on, you know, your first year or so of being parents? Um, yeah, I guess, um, I guess I would just say, you know, try to go into it. Like, you know, I, given how, everything went with the birth, you know, it, it didn't go the way that I expected it, but I also don't regret any of the, any of the preparation that I did. Um, so I would say, you know, do the level of preparation that you, that, that makes you feel comfortable and that you want to do. Um, you know, we have friends who oh, yeah, did nothing. virtually no preparation and yeah. they had pretty complication free yeah, just, just regular hospital <laughs> physician um, attended. Yeah. You know, no, they didn't do a birth plan. They didn't do yeah. any reading. They didn't do any birthing classes. And we were like, what are you people nuts? <laughs> so I think... And, um, you know, and they just popped out two perfectly healthy babies. It's yeah. Like, All right. And, that, and, they're, and they're fine with it. You know, I, yeah. I would never have gone into it without the level of preparation that we did. But, you know, if it's not right for you, then, yeah. then don't do it. Yeah, so I would say that and and just kind of um try to be flexible (laughs) with everything you know i think we did a pretty good job of kind of pivoting when when the moment came (laughs) i I was gonna say i I didn't mention it during the when we were talking about it but watching watching amanda have some the next piece of news that it wasn't going the way she wanted take a breath, take it in stride, pivot onto, you know, onto the, the next path. And just, just watching her do that was incredible, knowing how much time and, and effort and care she put into planning how she wanted it to go. So watching, watching her do that was just mind-blowing to me. Yeah, and I think um, that was a part of your class that I really appreciated too, yeah. Um, yeah. Is that you sort of covered yeah. the spectrum of... Uh, of of scenarios and birth types Um, because that, yeah, I I, I guess that's another piece of advice that I would give to people is just, um, you know, even if you're hoping for, you know, a certain type of birth, still, you know, research other types because you don't know how it's going to (laughs) go. Yeah. Having a conversation over there. Yeah. Yeah, and just, just enjoy every single minute of it. It goes so fast. It and does. It's a cliche, though. 
it's one of those things though. You don't really get it until you're in it, right? It's just, it's this experiential thing where, yeah, you hit this time warp. And any, Grant, any tips um, from the perspective of supporting your beloved through labor? You just have to be more present than you have ever been. And you have to be there with that person, for that person. Um, you know, it, it's sort of about you, but it's not about you. You've got to be there for that person. They're doing the hardest thing you've ever seen anybody do. And, and whatever they need, you've got to be there to do it. And, you know, be nose to nose when, you, when you're going through this and, and just breathe with them, um, you know, figure out the mantras that get you through it, each, each thing. And, uh, yeah, just, you just have to be so present and, you know, I, I couldn't, I couldn't have been more impressed with her. I loved her anymore. Um, just amazing. Oh, you just gave me chills. <laughs> thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing. Again, I didn't mention this earlier, but they, they actually, this is their do-over because my audio wasn't quite good uh, the last time we tried. So thank you for being willing to share again. Sure. It's been wonderful to hear another version of <laughs> the story. Um, and so I hope to see you guys in the neighborhood once we are not, I, we're recording this uh, about a week into being all, everybody being stuck in our houses due to this dumb COVID-19 thing <laughs> that we hope will go away and die a quick death. Isolating <laughs> and just hunkering down. Yep, hunkering down. <laughs> All right, well. And getting extra time with him during the day, so. Oh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> but look at the upside. Yeah. Yes, quality family time, absolutely. <laughs> All right, well, thanks again. Have a great day. Okay, you Bye. too. Bye. Bye. So that wraps up today's birth story with Amanda and Grant. Someone might ask, why would someone prefer a vaginal birth over a cesarean? Cesarean birth is major abdominal surgery and as such carries more risk with it than a vaginal birth. While we're thankful we have the option when we need it, like in Amanda's case, it's generally not a physically healthier birth for babies or moms. If you'd like to learn more about cesarean birth, including the most common reasons for a cesarean birth being necessary, tips for preventing an unnecessary cesarean, tips for healing from a cesarean birth, and more, check out our Instagram or Facebook April 2020 posts. Our handle is at birthmattersnyc. You can also find links to some resources on cesarean on the show notes for this episode. I wanted to talk real quick about using essential oils for labor. Did you notice how Amanda mentioned using essential oils put on a cloth for her to smell? This is a really wise strategy for labor. If you're pregnant, you likely have noticed a very sensitive sense of smell. This sensitivity often becomes even more heightened in labor. What scent you like one minute, you may hate the next minute. So it's best to never put anything strongly scented on her body near the laboring person's head. It should be far away from her nose or be on something removable like a cloth, sniff stick, or diffuser. Because essential oils are potent, it's going to be safer to use in pregnancy, labor, or while breastfeeding by diffusing instead of topically or by ingesting. 
There are many essential oils you can use for labor, but the top two I recommend are lavender for its anti-anxiety effects and peppermint oil for several uses, including number one, quelling nausea, which is very common in labor. Number two, for a quick pick-me-up when you're feeling like your energy is lagging because it's an invigorating scent. And number three, this one may be surprising if you've never heard of it, to help you pee or poop during labor or after birth. Isn't that a funny one? Either sniffing or putting a couple of drops of peppermint oil into the toilet has this bizarre but wonderfully magical effect of helping us release our pelvic floor sphincter muscles. I'll link to some resources on essential oils in this episode's show notes because there are many others you can use in this time in your life that could be helpful and therapeutic. If you'd like to learn a little more about cholestasis, check out episode 15. For the next two weeks' episodes, we have the most epic birth story I think I might have ever heard. I think you'll be amazed at Sarah's unbelievable positivity and fortitude through her days-long labor. Here's a sneak peek. My mental state was I was going to be a birthing warrior, and I believed that I could get through anything. I believed my body knew what it was doing, and I could get through anything. So that was my mindset. When I would start to falter, I would be like, I am a birthing warrior warrior. I'm going to do this. I'm getting this baby out. He is coming out. Like, and I kept thinking to myself, like, I want to see my baby. I want to see my baby. And every team that would cook, cause we had seen it, so many teams pass through at that point. Like, and they would say, Oh, Sarah, you're going to have, well, I'm going to come back the next tomorrow. time you see me, you're going to have your, gonna have gonna your baby. Out. And the first time that's encouraging. And the third time I'm going to kill no. someone. <laughs> The thought I'll leave you with today is to remember through this time that you can navigate the unknown. Thanks for listening to the Birth Matters Podcast. Until next time, stay safe, wash your hands, and be well.